Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Liberty 4x4 podcast. And today, I don't know, we have a kind of a short topic today, uh, just for what it is. It's not really a short topic, but um, we'll get into that here in a second. Um, this is the Liberty 4x4 podcast show where we share opinions, thoughts, tech 4x4 news uh, based around the unibody rigs, but not entirely limited to. So, like a ZJ, WJ, XJ. Uh, KJ, uh, you know, WK, etc. Try to fill in the blanks around that. Probably through the 90s and into the early 2000s. But past that, again, we touched in the last podcast that uh, just what it is, they sometimes can be a little bit too expensive or too difficult to get into without really, really, really changing. Then again, some people used to say that about some of the old rigs like you know like say the the zj or whatever it's like why would you even mess with that you know it's like you can't really put that big of a tire on it unless you put a crazy lift on it and so on and so on and so on so yes there is that but just what it is some people like to mess with it and they are definitely affordable uh you can find them sometimes for free people are just well you know i don't it's a clunker you know i want to get something new or whatever i just want to throw this one away of course i found uh two unibody rigs that were uh, you know, for free, basically. The first one was, you know, I think I traded a guy a tool or something for it because he had gotten it in a trade that uh, with money for a different one, etc. So I ended up with this one. Um, so on. So then the first one, of course, the guy was basically just going to send it to scrap, and that was a 93ZJ. Uh, the second one, of course, was that KJ that I'm currently building right now. And if you have not followed my uh, Instagram, you should check that out. It's Bearded Bullfrog Fab. Uh, which would be fabrication, um, and at the, that's an Instagram page, and I have all my build page, uh, build threads over there, or some of them, more recent ones anyway, because we're kind of adapting things over to the Instagram instead of the old forums. Anyway, so uh, today's point to ponder, which is, uh, well, I want to do this, it's tire size. Think about what tire size you're looking at and what you're going after. Um, just kind of for you know what it is you know some people say tire size is basically all that matters well in some circumstances it is but in others it's definitely not it's far from it why would I say that well because it, if you're not in places where you're climbing huge boulders and you have to worry about you know holes and in ledges and you know trying to climb shelves and things like that you really don't need massive tires uh, just think about what the terrain is that you're going through. If you're going in mostly mud, which, you know, oh my God, do not. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of mud in a unibody rig. It's just not a great combination. Some people do it. Some people have no problems with it. They love it. They'll deal with it. You know, they'll deal with the mud falling in their face every time they decide to work on it or even look at it. Um, you know, and others like myself, I used to do that back in the early days, but then I, you know, after getting every time you crawl under there you're getting something falling in your eyes just like no i know what that's enough no more rocks you know i like to do a lot of the western wheeling course i live in western uh, united states so that's it helps a lot that i have you know drier territory to go into and there's occasional times when i'll hit mud uh you know that'll be in a patch of part of the road or something like that but i don't like to you know sit there and wallow it out i don't like to splash through it just kind of work my best through it as best i can without taking doing too much damage to either the trail or you know the rig trying to get as best you can and if you know if it's super sloppy muddy out I just don't go wheeling that's just the way it is it's 
you know, and it's not that way very often in the, in the West, uh, Western United States. So anyway, just tire size. Think about that, you know, what you really want, what you're looking for, and then dig into that particular kind of option. Back east, wheeling, you know, there's a lot of mud, there's a lot of rocks, of course there's logs, things like that. You want a really sturdy tire that's not going to get punctured very easy. You know, but then again, certain tread patterns, certain grips. And maybe we'll do a whole podcast on, you know, different brands and, you know, what people think about them and maybe, you know, some questions or, uh, you know, uh, listener comments, or etc. cetera, uh, just things like that. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that in the future. Anyway, um, what is happening in the four-wheeling world? What is happening in the four-wheeling world? That's a great question. At this point, it's not much different than it, uh, it was in the last podcast. So we are still looking forward to EJS. Eat Your Jeep Safari is coming right up. Um, and we have, I don't know, there's a couple different things that is happening. Uh, if you missed the... Uh, the uh, area BFE uh, rock race uh, if you would that was pretty spectacular to go look at that Um, I did not make it out there but I was able to see a lot of videos and kind of catch some of the footage if you didn't uh, you know get into that and then please you know check it out it was was a good time Um, obviously you know a lot bigger than most of us will ever do but it's a great spectator kind of thing to go just check out and of course King of the Hammers happened this year it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty cool uh, year. Not, not like it, wouldn't, it didn't, wasn't in the top, you know, top two or whatever. But it was pretty good, and especially for, you know, times where not too many people are really getting out and doing events and things like that. Um, and for a January event, it's you know spectacular. A lot of people looking to get out and do something. So that lake bed was full. Anyway, um, you know, just for all that, I think that's pretty much what's going on. And if we get more updates on whatever's happening, we'll definitely be putting them in the podcast. If anybody has anything that they would like to add, uh, what's happening for Wheeling World, just in general, we could throw that in this little segment right here. And right now we have, this is the part of the show, we have the main topic. Uh, the main topic today is roll cage. Uh, roll cage is kind of a short subject that, you know, something that's I really think is something that's part of the deal. Last week we talked about, or last podcast anyway, I don't know if it was a week ago or whatever it was, um, we had talked about unibody structure and how to kind of do something with a roll cage if you want to. We kind of talked about that, so I wanted to continue, but in the direction of just the roll cage. Now, you know, like we were talking about, there's different types of roll cages. There's the, the, just the interior uh, roll cage, which is what most people would consider to be a true roll cage. Others, you know, like the exo cage, which goes on the outside of the vehicle and attaches down to the frame and literally does not touch the body at all. Now, of course, on a unibody vehicle, it would be tied through the unibody floor and then goes up and around it, which is kind of a moot point, I think, in the unibody world. So if you're going to build a cage in a unibody, I think the optimum this is just my opinion anybody can do what they want but the optimum uh the best type of roll cage for a unibodied rig is a hybrid cage which is our third kind where it goes inside and out it ties through the body through the roof um of course most of the structure you have your cross points inside your gussets i mean just the best way to make it as strong as possible um and it's safety uh, and you know protection for the overall part of the Jeep so you kind of keep it off of whatever rocks Jeep or Xterra or, or whatever vehicle you have that's kind of in that world um, now say a lot of the older Xterras which a lot of people do build still have frames so 
you're back into that question. And then some people say you can tie your frame to the, to the body uh, with your cage and you know do a hybrid cage like I'm talking about with the unibody. But again, with that, your a frame vehicle is designed to be separate from the frame. So if you're gonna combine the two, expect it to ride difficult because it's getting absorbing more from your hard stiff frame uh, that's coming up from the road, road noise, you know, bumps, jolts, you know, anytime there's something that shakes it, it, it just, it gets rid of that, that cushion point, that pivot point, if you would. So just that, knowing that you're going to run into issues with all that, you know, what's the best, you know, way to shape your cage, you know, etc. People always asking, you know, does a round have more strength than a straight? You know, it depends on where the round is. Obviously, you know, a straight bar for the side is not as good as something with a little bit of arch to it with a back support. You know, so you have, if you have a side impact, you know, you have a bar running down the side. If it has a slight arc, on the outward, it follows the radius of the vehicle because a lot of them are not flat on the side. Obviously, people have seen that. They have a bit of a round to it, especially the WJ, which, you know, it's a little more bubbly, if you would. Um, you curve it with the vehicle, but then you have, to ba- you have to back it. Knowing that cross support at the same time, going from one side to the next, where you're not going to get a direct impact into it, so something tying through the body, etc., Every time you make a bend in it, you weaken it because it's not getting side impacted. It is getting end impacted. So if you have something that's pre-bent, it's not going to take much for it to bend more. Now, I understand that there's hard ways to go around seats, uh, especially through the B-pillar. C-pillar, you could definitely work a little better with because you can move it further back and kind of tuck it underneath the seat because they don't usually are, they're not usually rounded, which uh, I've uh, obviously, my C-pillar is a straight bar. Uh, going straight behind, you know, the two seats that are in the rear. Uh, and then any of my cross support risers or any of that kind of stuff, I tried to do as much as I could straight. Obviously, the front I could not do as straight as I would have liked for the pure fact that I have to work around some seats because they're literally right underneath that B-pillar, right in the way. Um, so you go around it, but then you try to brace it as best you can. So the top, uh, right above the, the seats, in the, the front seats, the B-pillar, they arch over it, but then they dive through the roof right above that, and then it's tied into a crossbar on top of that. So it does have that top support. Um, again, it's any cage is better than none, I, I should say, in a general theme, if you build it with any kind of conscience. Obviously, some people will just slap in a, you know, a pipe cage and off you go, and then you know, that thing's rattling and banging into all kinds of stuff, and they roll the thing once, and the whole thing is total. Well, like, oh, you know... It worked. That was the point of it. Well, there is that. But if my theory and my thought is if you're going to put that kind of time into a cage, you're going to spend you know, money on metal, you're going to use welding, you're going to do whatever, or you're going to buy a hard rock cage, which is an assemble cage. You basically build it inside the vehicle. Um, if you're going to do that, do it right, I think. And if you build it correctly, like I, I believe in the hybrid cage on a unibody for sure, 100%. For one, the body is is connected to the frame. The frame is usually sandwich pieces of the body, sheet metal. Um, I, I've discovered on the later models, ZJ or uh, WJs, and the 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 KJs, and some of the newer, uh, I would say WK, maybe the KK 
couple of those have you know, some fairly strong uh, unibody sections, especially down on the what I would call the frame rail. Um, it's folded sheet metal, yes, but some of it is actually gauge steel. What gauge, I don't know exactly, and it actually has some kind of beef to it. I was quite impressed when I cut into that KJ, when I started chopping into it, looking, I was like, where am I going to put this cage? What am I going to do with it? How is it going to fit? You know, you know, what kind of structure am I working with? So I start cutting through and, you know, I was going to totally plate it, which I did. I channeled the bottom and plated the sides and, you know, tied everything together, of course, all the way up to where the shock hoops are. And then, of course, in the front, it goes past where the shocks are because there's a lot of motor support. The rear, there's not that much weight behind it, and I do have other ties of the cage, so it didn't get any plating on the frame rail, um, you know, behind the shock, uh, I would call it the channel or tunnel that goes inside. Um, you know, all that, bracing is important. Bends, you have to think about them where you're going to want them. You know, like I said, your side impact ones, if they're radius out, and they are supported in that direction, they're going to be a little stronger if you, you know, as opposed to ha just having a flat one. Um, then again, a flat one is better than nothing. It is better than one that radiuses inward. Um, and any kind of back bracing support, a couple crossbars through the middle and X over the top. You know, there's a few people that have done like a spider shape where they kind of get one to each corner and then some, you know, kind of to the middle and then one to the front, one to the back kind of thing. You know, just putting extra support in there. Other people, they'll round the corners and then they will put a single bar in there and they will kind of have an arch to it. So it's trying to limit the steel, what they're doing with it. I have done the same thing with mine. I started getting a little carried away, adding a little too much. Luckily, that was on the lower end of the Jeep. Uh, the top end of the Jeep, the, you know, over, over the roof and all that, I tried to limit what I was doing but still get the maximum safety out of it. Um, and trust me, by no means is it a ultra four car or you know even rated really to do anything outside of that. Basically, it is just for protection because we may roll. It may happen, and I want something there to keep our family safe. Um, you know, and protect the vehicle in general because I've seen a lot of people that, oh well, you know, one flop, and it smashed the whole roof in, caved everything in. Everybody was fine, you know, because they were in the safety spot or whatever. But the vehicle's done. I mean, unless you're going to rip the roof off and totally rebuild something or totally tube it out and buggy it, which a lot of people have done. I'm bugging it in advance and then trying to keep some of the structure there, uh, putting the doors back on. Also, I've built some tube doors, which were a pretty cool project. Uh, I had a little help from a friend. And we will have hopefully have him on the podcast eventually. Um, just he's got some great ideas as far as, you know, shapes and matching the body lines of the vehicle and all that he actually came up with a design for the front um the bull bar you know bumper slash thing that i made um that really looks pretty good um it is not as you know it's not your standard buggy strength or whatever but we did tie in quite a few different ways and like i said again for what it is it is basically just to pre prevent you know harm and injury and kind of hopefully help keep the jeep in better shape while still looking fairly decent at the same time. Um, if I was going to get into some hardcore off-road racing or something, or I was really smashing through something, I would specifically build a vehicle for that. This is not that kind of vehicle. I'm going to wheel it like I've always done with every other rig that I've had that didn't have a cage or that had a, you know, a semi-cage, which is basically something that basically protects the passenger department, and that's it. Um, you know, maybe a little bit around the front, you know, fenders and 
you know, some kind of a tight end bumper and all that. So, you know, that was a great rig, that other one that I had. Um, I've helped build quite a few other ones. I've installed a hard, a hard rock cage uh, or the hardcore or something like that. It's a, it's a bolt-in cage, basically, that bolts in and ties in and uses nutserts and rivets and things like that to kind of help strengthen it into the body. But it is not designed for protecting the body at all. It is only designed to protect the people inside in case of a rollover to keep the roof from smashing down or, you know, whatever, you know, falling from a distance and, and dropping onto the back quarter upside down, you know, and then crushing somebody or whatever. It, just, it will prevent that, which is a great deal. If you're looking for something just for safety only, um, then that is a great buy. Uh, it actually works better than a lot of people will give it credit for. I've seen it in action. And I know a few people that have put it in like a YJ or a TJ. I mean, and they've had no problems with it. It is a great bolt-in option. Um, there are a few knockoffs out there that I would not recommend. <laughs> Just driving down the road, they start rattling and having other issues. And they're not made out of very good material and they don't fit well. And you have to work around them constantly and it's kind of a pain in the butt. Um, so gussets in corners and angles and stuff like that. If you're going to put something at a steep angle and you like make a Y uh, out of an area, I would definitely put some kind of a gusset in there because there's not very much strength you know, side to side. It works great top end, but if you put a gusset in there, you definitely build that strength and you, you're basically filling in the triangle with, but only with a small either gusset plate or small bar across the end uh, kind of to fill that, the point out. Uh, if you look at my build online, uh, again, that's Bearded Bullfrog Fab on Instagram, which is where I have most of my stuff. I don't, it kind of channeled into Instagram right now. We may get into some other avenues, but that's kind of where it is for now. Uh, you get into there, you can kind of see, I put a few gusset plates here and there. I had a few extras, so I may have gotten carried away at some point. Um, I definitely did the rear bumper. Uh, it ended up getting some gussets up in the top corners uh, underneath the lights because there was like, some odd space. And I wanted to strengthen it up a little bit without adding a ton more steel. So I had these really cool little gussets that I put it in there that a guy had uh, cut, basically cut out for me. And yes, they have stars in them. But it's a Liberty, so that's okay. And yeah, so tying over the windshield. This is something I, as a topic or a little discussion piece or whatever that I have a thing with. I know some people will just completely build over. They'll replace the windshield to start with. So they have a brand new windshield which is awesome. They will cover it up, you know, and then build a cage right through it and then, you know, pull the protection off of it, which would be like a welding blanket or whatever. So they could build their whole cage right over top of it. And, you know, it's got bracing and all that. So if you ever dream of getting that windshield out, basically the only way it's going to happen is if you break it out. But then the sad downside of that is you're not getting another one back in it. The other thing to do with welding it over there is build enough space between it and the, the surface of the window that you can actually get the window in there through the side. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you've ever installed a windshield, that is not an easy task. Um, and some windshields have enough round to them that they would not, it would just not gonna work. So the other part of that subject, what I did with mine is I put the cage up over the top of the brow, if you would, over the top of the windshield not on the glass line it was up above it so like above the brow line if you would and the bottom of the windshield tucks underneath the lower crossbar that goes over it 
um, you know, over the hood or between the hood and the windshield. It goes right through that path and it tucks underneath the windshield wipers. Uh, I had to bend the windshield wiper blade arms a little bit, just trying to get them to, to fit. And they do perfectly. Right now, they don't touch anything and they clear and they put the right amount of pressure on everything and it works beautifully. Um, the other thing about this is underneath the cowl panel or the, you know, the, the, the dash cover on the outside, the plastic, you remove that after you pull the wiper arms off and then you can very, very, very clearly see that lower seam. So if you want to clear it, or clean it or you know scrape it clean or wipe it off or whatever or put the the new glue on it you can you can access it and then you can access the top one of course because it's just below the upper uh, crossbar so getting the windshield in is a lot I mean a lot easier than as if I just kind of welded wherever I felt like and I just wanted to make it look a certain way and it didn't really matter what the windshield did so in theory, my windshield should be fairly decent to replace if I, if I ever have to do replace it after this. It does need replaced right now. Um, kind of been just kind of going with it. You know, it was already broke when I got it and I haven't messed with it because I've dropped weld slag on it and I'm like, well, you know, I don't have to worry about it too much because it's going to come right back out and I'm going to put a new windshield in it anyway. Um, you know, which is not a, not a big deal. It's, it's a pretty cool thing if you can do your own windshield. Um, if you can't, that's okay too. You know, there's plenty of people, and it doesn't cost that much to get a windshield replaced. Uh, some, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. It depends on what kind of budget you're on and what kind of vehicle you own, because that can make a huge difference. Um, another option for putting a little bit more support in there, like if you wanted to put a down bar, um, you know, a bar that goes up and down, that connects the top bar going across the, the brow to the lower cowl bar, you can do one of the bolt-in style. Um, basically, it's a st stiff piece of good um, DOM or you know whatever they made the cage out of and then there's a clamp with screws on either side and you can you know put those clamps on and there's of course there's little uh, shims that go in there to kind of help keep the from rattling or you know making noise or whatever and then you tighten that down you know pretty pretty hardcore you know it usually comes with six bolts so you can really really crank it down so that way it doesn't have any you know play in it or whatever and that can kind of keep a little protection on your windshield. Yes, it will. It will definitely protect it a little bit more in case of a, you know, a major flopping roll or whatever. Um, but in the case of what I did with mine, sure, there's going to be flex. Sure, there's going to be movement. If I did do a massive flop and roll, it landed on the top. It might break the windshield. But the way I did it and what I did with it, why I did what I did, I gusseted the top bar on the sides. It matches the radius of the brow right over the windshield. Um, I can, you know, I can cut that bar out and replace it. It's not a big deal. Or, if you know, it most likely is not going to have any, you know, too many issues, um, you know, bending or whatever. But then at that point, I can easily replace my windshield. And I didn't, you know, no harm, no foul. Done. Just get a new windshield, you know, drop it in, fix the top bar first, you know, whatever's going on with that. But I don't think it's really going to have too many issues because I'm not, again, I'm not rock bouncing the thing. I'm not going to be rolling, you know, 30 times down a cliff and expect it to, you know, be a perfect rig after that. I have, you know, built the tube doors with mesh in them. I've done what I can to basically protect the family and go from there. So basically that is my take on cages, roll cages, interior, uh, exterior, so exo, indo, uh, hybrid, you know, 
And you know, then the the, the weld in kind that if you're if you have a welder or if you're good at welding, weld that in. You know, of course, welding is always a little stronger, but the bolt-in interior cages can work incredibly well. Um, if you know much about NASCAR, a lot of their stuff is bolted in, and the reason being is because they had tempered the steel at a certain place uh, for the cage or whatever, and so to put it in correctly and have it have all the strength. Of course, you know, that's a little different than what a rock crawler cage would be. But you don't weld it into the car so you're not messing with the tempering on it. Because you can't add, you know, excessive amounts of tube. You can only do what you need to to protect the driver and kind of build a structure. Of course, there's nothing else solid about the vehicle. It's just basically a cage with panels over it. Um, you know, so because it, it didn't come as an old stock car like the old one. So they have built a cage around the driver and of course a little bit of the structure of the car because you know they want to make it as safe as to the driver as possible um and and again if you're just rock crawling or you're just out you know going through the woods or whatever and you just want a little extra protection those bolt-in cages are a great option uh also they you know it does not require you to take the entire interior out of your vehicle so you don't get any weld burns or you know set it on fire for that matter um and you know somebody that just has a you know they can assemble something really well but they don't have a welder and they don't have much of a shop i mean this can be done literally in your driveway um it's a great option uh as a bolt-in cage i think it's called a hard rock or hardcore cage something like that um and there's a there's a few other options but don't get a brand that you don't know what is check it out first look into it get reviews you know because it is important if you're going after a cage if you're going to spend the money do it right um, you know, even if it's just a mild, you know, seat box cage that you just want something around the, the A and B pillars, you know, you just want, kind of want to protect, you know, the passengers and such and the driver. Anyway, so that's kind of what is going on there uh, with my, that's my take on the, the cage thing. So this next little part of the show is called From the Garage, um, build updates, listener comments, questions. Of course, we don't have any of those yet. We were working on that. We are trying to get these things kicked up and going. Um, you know, before long, this is probably going to be, you know, I'm going to probably have to sort through hundreds or whatever. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. So, but from the garage, the build update this week is um, basically, like I said, last week we've done the brake lines. We've done all that. Um, you know, got the, the fuel tank situated. Um this week, of course, you know, with all our moving and with the shop stuff that's going on, we have not accomplished too much, I gotta say. But I did collect some paint, um, which is going to be good, and I started working a little bit on the bodywork. Uh, we have the cage is officially done, which I may have mentioned last week because it was done then. Um, we'll have a little bit more updates come next week because obviously we'll be able to work on it here shortly, um, and you know just get the other tail light done and once the tail light's done then we can rock and roll finish the body work get it painted um and you know do a little bit more flex testing and secure everything where it's going to go kind of where that one's at um yeah i think that's pretty much all i've got for my particular build update um and for what it is um yeah so that's just kind of what we got there so uh, thanks again for listening to the Liberty 4x4 podcast. I um, hope you enjoyed kind of the comments or questions or 
the the content of the show. Hope you enjoy kind of you know what we're what we're going for and what we what we're doing with this. And again, if you have questions, comments, feel free to leave them on the Instagram if you're in that. If you're not, we can send an email. Of course, the email is mail bullfrog. So M A I L B U L L F R O G at yahoo.com. Uh, send your questions, comments there, links to things that you want to talk about or pictures or whatever you want to do, and we'll talk about different builds and whatever have you. Uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. This is the Liberty 4x4 podcast. <laughs>